one more flurry. But she's running out of time, running out of gas. Tamira Mensah-Stock has plenty left. And the American with that dream of finally standing atop the podium at the Olympics, it is here. Tamira Mensah-Stock of the United States has won an Olympic gold medal. Friends and family enjoying it, looking on in Orlando as the countdown came on. And they've got the heart signal that Tamira's been giving throughout this event. Yep, she hearts the fans. And right now, all the United States hearts Tamira Mensah-Stock. Absolutely. And she has snagged the second Olympic gold medal in women's freestyle history for the United States. And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead podcast. Two Steps Ahead podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great, just like Tamara Manasa Stock did right there, becoming an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, only the second gold medal for women's wrestling for the United States. And you can hear in the background, apparently there was a crowd. Didn't realize there was a, a crowd that would be allowed at the Games in Tokyo for the Olympics, but chanting USA, USA. What a proud moment for the United States. You know, she... Uh, we have some comments from her coming up here just in a minute that are really inspiring that I want to share with you. But first of all, you know, when you take a look at what it, what it requires of a person to become just an Olympic athlete, let alone a medalist, let alone a gold medalist, all the sacrifice, all the training, all the work, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. You know, I don't know if you've been watching any of the Olympics or not, but... Uh, I've the second week I've kind of gotten into them a little bit more. There's been a couple of events that aren't your traditional style events that you see on TV. Obviously, I like watching beach volleyball and volleyball, and the only teams left, well, I guess the women's beach volleyball, April Ross finally got her gold medal. She has a bronze, a silver, and now she finally won gold, and they actually pretty much dominated the beach volleyball competition. Uh, the women's volleyball, they're still going. They're playing for the gold medal match in their next match. And so some of those events are fun. But the other events I've been watching, which has really been interesting from the standpoint, one, you're seeing people and you're watching people and you're starting to learn about athletes that aren't in the mainstream. We all know about, you know, the gymnastics. We all know about the NBA players that are playing for the Team USA. We all know about the WNBA. You know, we all know about maybe maybe not so much the swimmers anymore, but, you know, at one time when Michael Phelps and all those people were swimming, you know, you knew about the mainstream athletes. And, and so watching things like the hammer throw, the discus, some of those events, the javelin, it's been exciting because the other thing, too, that's been fascinating is, at least from my understanding, is the commentators have been, I think, commentators from foreign countries, another country. Not that that's bad. This is the point. When they use their uh, references, they use references that are not American. So, for example, it was raining during the discus, and I guess, you know, they were talking about covering the discus circle where the athletes spin and throw the discus. And instead of using, like, hey, you know, cover the discus pit like you would maybe a baseball mound, they were talking about the cricket pitch. Or they were talking about, you know, other European references to some of the commentating and I thought that was fascinating because it gave an insight into the athletes from an athletic perspective. And what I mean by that is the athletes weren't there for any other reason but to commentate on what's going on and pass along the information on the athletes. So when you're talking about the hammer throw, the discus throw, and some of these sports that these athletes are lesser known, 
It was interesting to learn about them. For example, there was a uh, discus thrower from India, and they were talking about how she uses sports to avoid getting married. So I guess, obviously, in India, marriage and arranged marriages are a big deal. Apparently, she didn't want that, so she was using uh, sports. And so you start to understand different cultures a little bit better. The other thing that was interesting was that outside of the United States, I don't think race is really an issue with anybody. For example, in Portugal, they had a black athlete representing them. Italy had a black athlete representing them. This is all just in the uh, discus throw. Germany had a black athlete representing them. And so when you look at these athletes, especially from the commentator perspective, and we all learned years ago, and if you don't know the story, you should look it up. But when uh, Red Barber was commentating, we talked about it one time on a, on a previous podcast, but when Red Barber was talking about Jackie Robinson coming to the Dodgers, Jackie Robinson being the first black athlete in baseball to break the color barrier, he decided that his perspective was to be to report on it. And he had a positive reaction with the listeners as to who Jackie Robinson was, allow Jackie Robinson to be Jackie Robinson. And so when you get the commentators and their political views out of the way and you just listen to them, because I don't really know anything about these hammer throwers or these discus throwers, you know, I don't even know really the United States. The only one I really knew from the uh, discus, I think it was, or maybe it was the hammer throw, was that Gwen Berry that turned her back on the flag and came in third at the Olympic trials. Well, she finished 11 out of 12 in the final competition, nowhere near any type of medals, which I told you, if you finish third at the Olympic trials in the discus or the hammer throw or something like that, you're probably not going to medal in the Olympics, and she didn't. But, um, but it's fascinating because then you have someone like Tamara Mensah-Stock, Olympic gold medalist. Now, she is black, and that's irrelevant, but it's relevant in America because we define everything by race. But she wins the gold medal. And then afterwards, when she's being interviewed, okay, let me set the table. Obviously, we're going into an Olympics. We're in a woke era. We're in an era where race is everything in the United States. We just had a bunch of riots over Black Lives Matter. I've seen pictures from the Olympics where a white athlete is kneeling, and right next to her is a black athlete standing for the anthem. We've seen in the past white protesters screaming into the face of black police officers in the name of Black Lives Matter. So we've seen a lot of contradiction in the message, especially when it comes to the white person. So, again, it's irrelevant that Tamara Mensah stock is black, but she is, and that's relevant because then what she has to say, so all this stuff, anti-America wokeism, protesting, all this stuff going on, but here's a gal who wins a gold medal for the United States, and this is what she has to say. In your wildest imaginations, <laughs> did you think you would ever win an Olympic gold medal? Yes. 100% yes. I knew I could do it. I knew it would be hard. I prayed that I could do it. In my wildest of dreams, I knew. It is not just that you won. You were dominant. I mean, you won these matches convincingly. Did you surprise yourself at all? I, of course I surprised myself. It's by the grace of God I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what what I have next. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. 
I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent USA. <laughs> I mean, what an Olympic champion! What's what? What an athlete to represent the United States. Not only did she put in the work, but first, you know, we talk about mindset. She knew she could win. She had the mindset to know that she had the ability to win. All she had to do was go out there and execute and do what she was told by her flipping coaches, which is funny. She's so spirited. But she did. She believed and she knew she could. She just had to go out there and do it. Now she put in the work. She talked about that with the coaches, the sacrificing, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. But she went out there. She did the work, and she won the gold medal. Again, only the second gold medal for women's uh, wrestling for the United States. And then they go on to ask, and again, I don't know who the commentator is, but ask, what's it like to represent America? What's it like to wear that flag? And she was proud of it. She was proud to wear the flag, proud to live in this country, a true champion. And yet, we get all these other athletes out there who disparage the country we live in. I don't know about you, but I'd rather live here than any other place in the world. Despite all the flaws that we have, this is the best country to live in. At least it is so far. And yet, someone like this, I haven't really seen a lot of her comments in the main, in mainstream media and out there on like public domain, so to speak. Maybe the first time I saw it was on Twitter, which I rarely go on anyways. That's what led me to the clip. And so this is someone that we should be elevating. This is someone we should be celebrating. Somebody who's out there that worked hard, that had the mindset to know that she could win who had the heart, the determination, and the courage to go out there and practice and practice and practice and put in the work, and then to go to the Olympics. And apparently her heart thing that she had going on, she was doing it all Olympics long throughout the entire competition, loving the fans, loving the people back home, having a good time, having a good spirit, and she ends up winning. That's someone that should represent the United States, in my opinion. I mean, that's, that's the type of Olympic spirit that we should be encouraging, following, supporting, praising, celebrating. Not this other stuff that goes on. You know, there's a lot of headlines out there from all the different news outlets that are talking about this athlete who quit but then came back and won a bronze and she's a hero. And then this athlete or these soccer women, you know, they're doing their thing for justice and they end up winning the bronze. And, and then you have someone like this lady here, Menensa Stock, winning a gold medal. Other countries, I mean, there was like a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old skateboarder that won gold. There was a diver, I think, 14. How about the swimmer from Alaska? There was a lot of great stories. And again, the reason why I like the Olympics is because when we talk about inspiration, we talk about motivation, we talk about bringing out our inner greatness, we talk about all these things, raising the standard. We see that in these athletes, and these athletes are a little known going into the Olympics, and hopefully they become better known and maybe well-known. But these are the type of athletes that are fun, and that's why I was having a good time watching some of these off events because you get to see and experience what they're going through, and you get to find out who they are along with everybody else because I've never heard of Tamara Mensa stock before, and now I have a good impression of her. I wish her all kinds of success moving forward. You know, but it goes down to, again, the mindset. You know, recently I had to go to the chiropractor to get some uh, work done, get adjusted. And when we were talking, he was kind of doing the exams to kind of feel what was wrong and maybe see what treatment would be best to, to adjust my back. And the first thing he said was that we had to retrain the brain to send the proper signals to the back to make the back work properly. 
initially you might not think that, but again, when you sit down and you kind of go over it and think it through, the brain says messages, the brain sends messages through the spinal column for your body to move. And if it's not working properly, or if your body compensates for something, the brain gets used to sending those type of messages. So you have to retrain the brain is what he was telling me. And again, went back to mindset, even the function of the body. I mean, think about last time we talked about the image that we see. We look in a mirror and we see a reflection of who we are. It's not the true us, but it's a reflection. And so how do we see ourselves? Forget about what everybody else says. We don't need to know what everybody else says. Okay, everybody's going to tell us something for a reason. There was an athlete, I don't think it was this one, but there was an athlete at the Olympics who won a medal, could have been gold, and she went on Twitter and kind of made mention to that one teacher that told her to quit and give up because she didn't have it in her. And so she won her medal, and then she turned around and kind of cracked back on that teacher. See, that's the type of thing. Don't listen to those people that give you negative input because you don't know what it is that they're telling you, why they're telling you. There could be a myriad of reasons why they want you to fail. Jealousy, envy, maybe they just don't like you, whatever it is. And so let's put that aside for a minute because that's a tangible. Let's look at ourselves. Do we have to retrain our brain to see us in how we are? Sure, physically we may have flaws, We all do. Physically, we may not like some of the things about us and maybe want to improve. That's why we go to the gym, we work out, we ride bikes, we go skating, maybe skateboarding, whatever the case may be. Roller skating seems to be the huge thing now that's out there. And so maybe we need to fix a few things. But we need to retrain our brain to look at the information about ourselves and know that we are objectively and correctly viewing what it is that we're seeing. It starts with the mind. Mindset is everything. How we think, how we feel, how we approach things, how we're going to respond to things. And again, for Mensa Stock, she believed, they asked, did you think you could do this? Of course she did. She said she could do it. She just had to go and walk the walk. She wasn't just talking the talk. She was walking the walk. She was an I can. You know, it's interesting. In America, you spell out America with I can at the end. She did. She went out there and she did it. So we need to retrain the brain to allow that greatness to come out of us. You know, thinking about that, I say, hey, raise the standard. Let that greatness, you have greatness in you. Let that greatness come out. But then as I started thinking about it some more, I started thinking maybe we need to retrain the brain to, to think that we have greatness in us. Maybe we've been put down too much. Maybe we need to cultivate the soul. Maybe our soul has been spoiled. A lot of rot in there, weeds and other things, just destroying that soul maybe we need to cultivate it rip out those weeds you know when you look at a farmer he has to go and cultivate the fields right get the fields ready to prepare for planting season then during planting season you got to make sure that you know the field isn't overtaken by weeds so that your crop is lost or or insects and then also you have to also worry about the weather the elements so there's a lot that goes into a crop and then at harvest, you got to go and harvest it. You can't just let it sit there in the field. It'll wither and die. How many times have you seen a fruit tree and you see the green fruit? Maybe it's an orange. And then all of a sudden, or maybe it's a lemon. And then all of a sudden, it's turning to orange or yellow, depending on the fruit. And then it's ripe, but it's left on the vine. And then all of a sudden, it starts to wilt. 
and dry up and die. And even though it's been on the vine connected to that tree, it went through its life cycle. It wasn't plucked at its greatness and then used for whatever. Maybe it was a lime. You know, and so that's what we have to do. We have to take our soul. We have to retrain it. We have to cultivate it. We have to allow that greatness to spring up. And it might take a while. It might take work. It might take some time. It might not happen just like that. Maybe for others it does. But for Mensa Stock, she knew in her mind that she had greatness in her. She just had to go and do it. She put in the work. She cultivated her craft. She cultivated her skills. We need to cultivate our spirit. We need to cultivate our soul. Get all that old soil out. Plant new soil. Fertilize it. Then plant the greatness. Let it grow. And then once greatness has arrived, harvest it. Take it out. Don't let it rot on the vine. Don't let it rot in the ground. Take it out and use it. Because if you use it, you can then inspire other peoples, just like Mensa Stock does here. You can go out and you can achieve greatness. You can achieve your gold medal in whatever it is that you want to do. But it starts with the mindset of believing, just like Mensa Stock did. Then we have to cultivate that greatness. And then once it's ready for harvest, harvest it. Use it. Take it. We train the, uh, retrain the brain. So we go back to looking at ourselves. We need to look at the mirror in the right way. Sure, there might be things we want to fix, but why are we fixing them? Why do we need to change? Is it for good? Is it a positive thing or is it a negative thing? And that's something that we each have to decide. But I know when we were sitting here the last couple of weeks talking about greatness and mindset and all this, that was just kind of some of the thoughts that came to mind after watching Tamara Mensa Stock win her gold medal and then hearing the audio of her again. And here it is again. This is her again, Tamara Mensa Stock, gold medalist for the women's wrestling team, only the second gold medal. And again, just listen to it, and then we're going to move on to something else. But just listen to the excitement. Listen to the, the thrill in her voice. Listen to, this is like it. She's reached the pinnacle of this particular goal, and she achieved it. And look at how she does it, in the manner in which she does. In your wildest imaginations. <laughs> Did you think you would ever win an Olympic gold medal? Yes. 100% yes. I knew I could do it. I knew it would be hard. I prayed that I could do it. In my wildest of dreams, I knew. It is not just that you won. You were dominant. I mean, you won these matches convincingly. <laughs> Did you surprise yourself at all? I, of course I surprised myself. It's by the grace of God I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what what I have next. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it and I'm so happy I get to represent USA. <laughs> I mean, she was emphatic when she answered the question, can you do it? She was emphatic, no doubt she could. And now there's no cap as to what she can do with her work ethic. Apparently, she has, sounds like she has faith. She relies on her faith. And then just the fact that she's amazed. It's amazing. Some of the descriptive words can really describe what's on her heart. You know, we talk about what's on the heart is who we are. And you can see what's on her heart. And you can see she has joy and happiness. And that's the other thing. 
Speaking of joy and happiness, you know, in this country, we've reached a, um, I think it's been here for a while, but it's, it's kind of like a boiling point, kind of like the red line, kind of like the, the top, the extreme of entitlement. You look at the news and you see different stories pop up about entitlement. Now, we all know there's a certain amount of entitlement that's within all of us. But lately, it's gone overboard. Okay, so we go through a pandemic and the government, yes, they did cause the, the financial problems that some of us faced because they did close down businesses. We couldn't work. They did not allow us to go out. There was a lot of fear, so people didn't even go to take out. I know some people that would have their groceries delivered and then they'd wipe them all off and bring them in. So varying degrees of why and depending on where you are in the country of why you ended up in some sort of financial or behind the eight ball when it comes to finances. And so then the government decides that they're going to help us out and give us extra. So you're on unemployment, you get your regular unemployment, and then the government was giving us extra, whether it's stimulus, whether it's unemployment, Whatever it is, we were getting extra because there was a problem. They wanted to help us out. So politics aside, they did the best they could to keep us safe. That was a result or that resulted in some financial issues to help the citizens over those financial issues. They instilled some stuff, which includes giving us extra free money. Okay. Well, now Florida, some people in Florida are suing the government because the governor there is taking away the extra benefits, trying to get people to go back to work. And they're trying to sue Florida to keep those extra unemployment checks coming so they can just sit on the beach all day pretty much. Don't want to work, don't want to go back. They feel they're entitled to it, was the comment. Okay, There's been a moratorium on evictions. Maybe you've heard about this. So people feel they're entitled to live in somebody else's home without paying for it. People think that's actually okay. Like, I can live here without paying you, even though this is your place. I'm entitled to that. You know, there's other issues where entitlement comes in, whether it be I'm entitled to a free education, I'm entitled to health care, I'm entitled to be here, I'm entitled to be a part of this group. And entitlement comes in different ways. Not only is it labeled entitlement, but it could be people out there that don't have something, so they want it. They want something from you. You've worked hard. You went to school. You put in the work. You had the champion mindset. You went out there. You did the work, the sweat labor the sweat equity. And now someone comes along and sees what you have and they're like, I'm entitled to what you have, so give me yours. They don't want to put the work in. And that's where we are in this country. We have a lot of entitlement going on. Chad Prather's a guy that just happened to pop up on social media one time, a while ago, and had some pretty common sense things. If you ever listen to the show with any regularity, you will know that I like to look at things through logic and reason. When we get emotion involved, we tend to make bad uh, decisions or our emotions tend to make us do things that logically and reasonable people wouldn't do. And so Chad Prather had something to do or had something to say about this entitlement and what it's like and what it looks like when it comes to people who are entitled. So I just left the doctor's office where I overheard some people talking about how they deserve free health care. You can add that to the list of free stuff that everyone in America thinks they deserve. Yes, I have an opinion on that, shocker, I know. Listen, just because you want something does not mean you deserve it. 
It's amazing how lazy everybody in America has become. How did we develop such an indolent sense of entitlement, believing that everyone owes us something? No one owes you anything. No one. You owe it to yourself to work hard and make the best decisions possible. Now, does that guarantee that you're going to be wealthy and successful and have everything in life? Absolutely not, you sofa spud. But it guarantees that you can live with your head held high and a sense of dignity, knowing that you did everything you could do to be successful and self-made. But now, we have a generation of debilitating buttercups that believe the world owes them everything. And you mooches that think the wealthy and successful should be penalized through greater taxation so that you can get more free stuff and better opportunities is utter lunacy. How about you be satisfied that they're willing to provide you with a job for free? And I hate to be the guy that breaks it to you, but if you think someone owes you anything, then you're in for a long life of disappointment. If you feel a constant sense of competition with others trying to measure up, and if you feel sorry for yourself and you think that you're owed happiness, then you're living with a sense of entitlement and it's simply time to grow up. You want to know a big thing wrong with this country? People entering a voting booth and casting their ballot for whoever promises to give them the most crap. Just because you want it doesn't mean you deserve it. Now let me remind you of a little nugget of wisdom from Abraham Lincoln and hold on to this. You cannot help the people permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. Love y'all. God bless. And here's something I give you for free. A Facebook poke. Are you a debilitated buttercup? A sofa spud? A.K.A. couch potato? Are you a moocher? Are these the things of greatness? Are these the things of someone who wants to raise the standard? Just be honest with yourself. You got to do you, but just be honest with yourself. If you are a debilitated buttercup, sofa spud, a mooch, then maybe you're not raising the standard. Maybe the greatness isn't in you. Maybe you need to go back and cultivate your soul, cultivate your spirit, change your mindset, get your heart in order. Because somebody is going to come along and take from the entitled and become entitled. That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be a revolving thing. Oh, I don't have to go to work because they're getting free money. I want free money so I can stay home and do whatever. And you see how we start to spiral downward? Nobody's doing anything. The area I live in, there's so many, you know, hiring now, jobs available. I went to a restaurant one time recently, popular chain restaurant that I like to go to, and the dining room was closed. The the restaurant was open, but the dining room was closed because there wasn't enough staff to staff it. So they had the, the bar area open. So you had to go sit in the bar area to eat. Not enough staff. And we see that all along. People not wanting to go back to work. People not wanting to be productive. People wanting to take the easy way out. And it's being instilled, I think, in our universities. I think that's being instilled in us through our politicians. I mean, think of people who are entitled. Is there anybody more entitled than politicians? Politicians think they're entitled to do whatever they want. I mean, we've seen that time and time again through uh, the pandemic. The governor of Michigan, governor of California, most recently the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of D.C., putting down edicts, mandates, stay-at-home, lockdown, masks, and then they violate those. Picture just floated, a video, in fact, just floated around social media of AOC out there hobnobbing with a group of people. They want to take a photo op, so they all put their masks on. Then a minute later, off goes the mask, and they're sitting on Capitol Hill on the steps there, and they're just uh, 
talking and gabbing it up, but then they go and preach to us what we need to do. Wear the mask. You know, they're entitled. John Kerry, climate change, and he's globe trotting around on his private jet, burning those fossil fuels. You know, so they're entitled. They tell us what to do, and then they do their own thing. Governor Newsom shut everything down, and him and a bunch of cronies are at the uh, French laundry, yucking it up, no masks inside. It's, it's endless. Nancy Pelosi gets uh, bamboozled by a salon owner. Imagine what China's doing to her. But see, they're entitled. Pick any politician, and they're entitled. They feel they can do whatever they want, and they're owed it. They feel that they are owed your vote. If you don't vote for them, then you're racist, you're white supremacist, you're something. You owe it to them because they've taken care of you. But what about musicians, actors, athletes, entitled yet again? They think that they're owed all this. They think they can tell us what to do because they're above it. They feel, have you ever seen, there's a, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like basically a rundown sheet of like if an artist or somebody's going to perform, they have a, a sheet that has all the different requirements on it. And some of the requirements can be ridiculous, like M&Ms, but only green ones. Water, but only like Avion. You know, so there's all these specific requirements that are in this run sheet that venues or promoters will get so that if this artist or this person comes to perform, this wish list, so to speak, has to be fulfilled. And sometimes I've heard stories where if this wish list is missing something, then people will, the star will freak out and not perform and go into a meltdown and blow up and all this. And I'm sure you can go and internet search things and find stories, but it's entitled, you know, musicians, athletes, you know, they're in, they think that we owe it to them to go see them. You know, Gwen Berry, she was blasted for finishing 11th out of 12th at the Olympics. And then she was kind of screaming on social media and talking trash about the people that were basically enjoying her downfall. They were enjoying and reveling in her failure. And so she was calling them out. Now, whether it's okay to do that or not is uh, your opinion. You decide, but you have to be able to take it. If you can't take it, then don't dish it out. If you're going to go and say something, do something, perform something, act a certain way, and you can't take it, then don't dish it out because it is going to come back. But musicians, actors, you know, they're the most entitled. Then what? You've got other people coming along, and it starts to sink in, and we have to then avoid that. If we want to, if we want that greatness within us to come out, we have to avoid that. We have to get out of that circle because that's just going to bring us down. You know, Dave Ramsey's a guy, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's been involved in thinking uh, money matters for most of it. But he has something that is interesting about entitlement. Entitlement and gratitude. And listen to what he has to say here when it comes to uh, his perspective on the entitlement culture that we're living in. There's an arrogance to entitlement, and there is a sense of humility to gratitude. Gratitude says, thank you. Thank you for being my customer. Thank you for allowing me to serve your table. Thank you for giving me a job that allows me to feed my family and buy electricity for my kids and heating and cooling for my home. 
uh, thank you for working for me and working with me on my team. And I'm going to say thank you by the way I pay you and the way the things I do for you if you're one of my team members working on my team. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've poured into my life. Thank you is an incredible expression of gratitude. And I got to tell you, it's highly attractive. Think about a child in your presence that doubles up their fist and is red-faced and acts like they deserve something and has a little temper fit versus the child that smiles and says, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this birthday gift. Not having a hissy fit because the cake is the wrong color. And we've got a whole culture that's having a hissy fit because their cake at their birthday is the wrong color because they think the axis of the world runs through the center of their head. So entitlement has at its essence this sense of arrogance. Does the axis of this world run through you? The difference for entitlement comes down to arrogance and gratitude. How many times have you been in a store, whatever store it is, toy store, grocery store, you know, and they always strategically place those impulse buys, whether it be a snack or toy or something, right there at the checkout. But maybe you're walking through the store and a toddler or somebody, maybe even an older kid, maybe an adult, I don't know, they don't get what they want, so they throw a fit, a tantrum right there in the store. Is that you? Are you the one throwing a hissy fit? Are you the one that is having a bad attitude because something doesn't go your way and you feel you're entitled to it? You know, the other thing that I was thinking about as he was talking was, you know, the entitlement when it comes to these services. Remember he said in there, thank you for letting me serve you. Thank you for coming here and supporting our restaurant or a place of business. Thank you for allowing me to make your day better by providing you with a service. I think about tipping. Tipping has become an entitlement. I go to a restaurant and now they put on the receipt, 15%, 18%, 20%. And then if you don't tip enough, they get mad at you. They're entitled to tip or a tip despite the service that they do. And there's times where, you know, service has been really bad. I've had to wait extra. My food came cold. I couldn't get the uh, waiter or waitress to come over and fill my glass, whatever the case may be. And so I didn't feel like tipping. And then in one instance, which is kind of rare that I do that, but in one instance, they called me on it. They're like, why aren't you tipping? That's rude. I do all this work. And I had to point out to them, well, you never came by. You never asked us if we needed anything. My glass has been empty. I had to get somebody else to fill it up, the the busboy. All this stuff. Or you have these different people coming out, like the first one takes your order, the second one brings you the third, the third one busses your table. Well, how do I know who to tip? But it's an entitlement. It's become an entitlement where then, instead of being appreciative of, well, first of all, doing customer service, but then being appreciative of leaving an extra something, because I don't know, depending on where you're at nowadays, I know in places uh, around Los Angeles, they can charge you extra, just like a $5 fee for COVID recovery. So you're paying a, a bonus $5 just for showing up. Lucky you. Hey, they value your, you so much that they're going to cost you or charge you an extra 5 bucks just to uh, be there. What about uh, have you flown lately? 
I think I flew most during the pandemic than I have in my entire life. It's kind of took advantage of some of the uh, spacious airlines, get some places, get some sanity from where I was and all the lockdowns. But you're starting to see more and more stories. I think it was like Spirit of Frontier. They had to uh, duct tape a passenger who was unruly, which I understand. Then the Spirit and, and American Airlines recently had to cancel flights. Okay. But you're starting to see more and more stories pop up of unruly passengers. But the question then comes down to what type of service is being provided. I've been on many planes over the last year, year and a half. And I'll tell you this, from my personal experience, the flight attendants have been, for the most part, horrific. There's been times where they just sit in the back. One time, one of them was asleep in the back row for the entire flight. Another one's on their phone doing Candy Crush or whatever. Another one's reading a book. Now, I get it. Your service is limited because of COVID, so you can't have the traditional service that you would normally provide. But their attitudes... Someone told me a story that they were asleep on a plane and their mask was just dipped below their nose. And they, the, the flight attendant came and shook them and said, you need to put your mask on. Woke them up. So the mask was down just off the tip of the nose. So what did the flight attendant decide to do? Invade personal space, physically contact, and wake up. The whole violation of social distancing. And they're like that. They get mean. They get nasty. They sit there, and if you ask them for something, they're like, why are you bothering me? And this is just my experience. Like I said, I've been on several flights, about 15 in the last year. And it's been crazy. So when you see these stories come up, sometimes I don't blame the passenger. And then there's been times where a bystander takes video. And the narrative changes, oh, yeah, the stewardess or the flight attendant, wherever they are now, um, was at fault. And the airline has to issue an apology and a correction. But see, it goes down to, the, I don't know, if they're entitled to something, if they feel that they have this authority to dictate and mandate stuff because of we're in the pandemic and they have a false sense of authority. But again, they should be like, hey, thank you. Thank you for being on my flight. Now, we as passengers have to do our spot which I do. I mean, I'm like the low maintenance person on the plane. I get on, I have my stuff. I sit there and that's it. In fact, I don't even take their snacks. I don't take their drinks. I don't want any of that. I have my own stuff and just leave me alone. That's all the time. It doesn't matter. Pre-pandemic, 10 years from now, I'm going to have my flight the way I want my flight to be. And so I don't use anything. But just to be like, hey, everything okay? Thank you for flying with us. You know, is there anything I can do for you? I know times are tough. I know you've got a flight, but you know what? Without you, the passenger, us flight attendants would be out of a job. But no, they're entitled. And it goes on and on and on. So where's the gratitude? Where's the humility? Where's the thank you for whatever it is? I mean, I have to check that myself. You know, I've been running around lately trying to get some stuff done, and I've had to deal with a lot of individuals, and some of them have been really cool, and others have been, eh, whatever. But it's always thank you. Thank you for providing the service that you're doing. Because you know what? In this time, it is hard. They might be having a bad day. I try not to take it personally. And most of the time, those that know me, I'm low-key, low-drama, so things roll off my back. But every once in a while, it's hard to sit there and say thank you to somebody that's been a complete you know, jerk to you. But we got to raise the standard. we got to sit there and make sure that we're cultivating the soul to bring out greatness. 
that we're changing our mindset from revenge to kindness. Thank you. Humility, integrity, understanding. You know, he goes on to say that entitlement, uh, Dave Ramsey does, that entitlement is something that we need to, to, to battle, but, but how do we do that? So how do we combat that? Well, as I said, in the corner of, at the core of gratitude is a sense of humility versus arrogance. And so it starts with humility. And humility can then lead to gratitude. And humility is not humiliation. Humility is, hey, I understand my place. I understand that if I don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Humility then can lead to gratitude. And by the way, gratitude can lead to contentment. But you will never find someone who is entitled who is content. Think about that. That's a little bit profound if you work your way through it. And, and so this idea of what we want to teach our children or who we want to be as people is I want to start with a sense of humility. Now, humility is not, I think less of myself. That's false humility. Humility, as C.S. Lewis said, I think less of, not, I think less of myself. It's I think of myself less. I'm not as worried about me. It's not all about me. That's a sense of humility. And so we need to work on that ourselves. We need to definitely have our kids begin to understand that concept, which leads them to the ability to be grateful. Because again, if you want to be a highly attractive human being, be a grateful human being. So do you think less of yourself? Not like less as in like, ooh, I'm bad and have a poor self-respect and I look at myself bad. No, but do you think of yourself less and others more, if that makes sense. Humility equals gratitude. We've talked about that. Finding your place in the world. He talked about when you're entitled, you're not content, and that's so true. If you're entitled to think that you owe are owed something, you're not content. You're going to want more, want more. You're going to have envy over somebody else. You're going to be jealous of somebody else because you want what they want because you don't have it. So you got to think of self less than others. Put others first. Again, it goes back to the heart. What's on the heart is who you are, our mindset, how we approach life. And so he talks about that. And so when we look at some of these people, the athletes, the musicians, the actors, the neighbors, the people around us, whatever, they're entitled because they lack humility is what it comes down to. I mean, could you imagine? You know, you, you sit there, and I know that you have safety reasons and security and stuff like that for these athletes and these musicians and these celebrities and stuff, but what if they just took a moment? There's a, a, a guy I know, fa- um, my favorite musician. His name is Steve Taylor. I've been following for him for a long time. And after every show, he would sit there or stand there, and he would just sign autographs all the time, all the time. Didn't matter how late into the evening, he would sign every single autograph. He would talk to you, take a picture. In fact, one time I was at the Whiskey A Go-Go and he was performing and afterwards he was taking pictures and, and doing autographs and somebody's phone wasn't working. So he took out his phone. They took a picture with his phone. He sent it to the person and just said, please don't give my number out. But that's the type of selfless humility. And he was a musician, a singer. Fans were there to see him, and he was giving back to them. And then there's other musicians that you want to get an autograph, and they're like, no, no, can't do it. Now, I get there's a balance, and we're not talking about that. But there's a difference. It can be done. A guy I know, a friend of mine, Phil Michael, was a, a, a mountaineer. He wanted to, 
to um, climb all the seven summits uh, around the world, and one was Mount Everest. But I was talking to him about it, and I said, well, what if you get to Mount Everest and there's somebody not doing well? Do you leave them and move on to attain your goal? And he's like, no, we got to help them. There's always a way to help. And then he saved some people on Mount Rainier. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He passed away. But even in his goal, pursuit of his goals, he recognized that we need to take care of people first. We need to put them first. If they need help, the summit's got to wait, go another time. We got to get them help. You see, we got to put other people first because that's humility. That's gratitude. That's appreciative of other people's life. And when we're entitled, we're not content. When we're entitled, we're arrogant. Gratitude is attractive. Are you an attractive human being? Are you well-mannered so when people look at you, they have a positive impact, a positive recollection, an impression of who you are? Or are you the one throwing the temper tantrum, the hissy fit, because you're not content, you're not getting your way, you're not getting what you feel you are owed? So we talk about entitlement, it's always about take, 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 right? Like, I'm entitled to your money. I'm entitled to reparations. I'm entitled to extra unemployment. I'm entitled to live in your place without paying rent, without getting kicked out. I'm entitled to extra money on the check for tipping because of a service I provide. I'm entitled to all this stuff. But let's spin it. Let's spin it and look at entitlement through a different perspective and then see if you agree because there's always two sides of the story, right? Some would say three. Yours, mine, and the truth. But entitlement, there's the entitlement where I'm going to take. I'm going to take from my employer. I'm going to take from my neighbor. I'm going to take from those who have worked hard. I'm going to take from those who have put in the work. I'm going to take from those who have won the gold medal because I don't want to do it. But then what about this side of entitlement? I am an employer. I am an employer. I am an employer, and I have jobs. Good jobs. Good jobs. And I'm hiring. But if you want to work for me, you need to know how I really feel. You see, I am entitled. I am entitled. I am entitled. I'm entitled to you arriving here to the job on time. Every day until the very last minute of your shift. And if you're scheduled at 9. And arrive at 9. You're late. I am entitled to you being positive and enthusiastic as you approach the tasks you are assigned. Regardless of what they are. Or anything that may have happened to you before you came to work. I get it. I have no right to say how you dress, communicate, or act on your own time. However, while you're at work, I'm entitled to you being a professional. And acting and speaking like one. Showing up dressed and groomed in a way that best represents this organization. And the image that we need to project to our clients and to the world. I'm entitled to you doing the work. You are paid to do to the very best of your ability. And then some. The only way this business is going to grow and provide opportunity for you to grow with it is if you're continually looking for ways to excel, achieve, solve problems, and add value whenever and wherever you can. I'm entitled to your respect for my rules, whether or not you agree with them. I want you to enjoy working here and like your managers. But that's not a condition of your willingness to follow company policies. I am entitled to the truth. And yes, I can handle the truth. So if you're not ill, please don't call in sick. If you handle money or merchandise, every cent must be accounted for. If you lie, cheat, 
steal, fudge, or hook a buddy up even once. The trust I need to have in you will forever be in question. But it's our customers who are even more entitled. They're the ones who pay our wages and keep this business running. That entitles them to fast, friendly, and courteous service from everyone in this organization. So you need to go out of your way to show them how much we appreciate their business. So if you agree to this list of entitlements, then you're not only entitled to a paycheck, you're entitled to me living up to these same high standards. But hey, if you feel like we're asking for too much, then you're entitled to look for another employer that will not ask these things of you. But the odds of you finding one aren't good. So you feel entitled because you can't pay rent for some reason because the government is giving you extra money because you don't want to go get a job. So you're entitled to stay in someone's home without paying rent. Well, let's flip it. The people that own that property, they're entitled to their rent. They're entitled to you living up to your end of the bargain. If the government's giving you money, they're entitled for you to do with that money what it is that it's designed to do, pay your bills. You see, I'm entitled as someone going into a restaurant to have good service because I'm paying for it. I'm paying money. Now, that doesn't allow me to be disrespectful and rude and be a bad customer, but it entitles me to, I order, you take my food, it gets fixed properly, it gets brought to me, I enjoy it, I order beverage, menu says comes with free refills, I get refills, that's the arrangement. The boss, the job, the employer, the company is entitled just as you are entitled. So if you feel you are entitled, then the boss or the company is entitled to their entitlement. A landlord entitled to payment. A boss entitled to showing up, to you showing up, them showing up, everybody showing up and doing their job. A boss is entitled to pay you for the work that you do. You're entitled to do the work. So as we start to look at entitlement, it's always one way. It's always a selfish way. Me, 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 me. I'm entitled to, therefore I get. Politicians are that way. Politics are that way. Entitlement, entitlement, entitlement. People are owed something for something done a long time ago. People are owed something. Redistribution of wealth is always out there. Why? Because those that work hard, those that got educated, those that went out there, put in the blood, sweat, and tears. Do you think that uh, our gold medalists that put in the effort, do you think that credit goes to other athletes that didn't perform so well? Do you think they should reap the benefits? No. If you put in the work, you reap the benefits. But that's not always the case because of entitlement, especially in this selfish, narcissistic environment environment that we live in. Entitlement only goes one way. Think about that. We live in such a selfish and narcissistic society today. That entitlement only goes one way. I'm entitled to a free education. I'm entitled to getting my way. I'm entitled to whatever it is I want. And that's what people do. And then those that actually go out there, work hard, and put in the, the work, have it taken away. And then they're like, why should I do it? But if entitlement is only going one way, and that is the way of the lazy, selfish, and arrogant person, and they feel like they're owed everything, they don't want to work, then if we all had that mentality, we all have nothing. I mean, think about it. I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. 
I'm entitled to, you give me something. Now, everybody's sitting back and not doing nothing. Who are we going to get from? Who are we going to be entitled to? Everything's taken away because nobody's out there doing anything. And see, it goes back to raising the standard, bringing out the greatness in us. If you're arrogant and you're not humble and you're entitled and you're not content, you're a bad seed, you're a bad apple. Why would anybody want to be around you? Well, those, I guess, you know, what they call it, uh, misery loves company. So maybe other miserable people want to be with you, but you're miserable. No one wants to be around you. And then you look in the mirror and you wonder why people aren't your friends. People don't want to be around you. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your entitlement. Maybe you go to people's houses and you don't bring something. You don't volunteer to bring something. I don't know. Whatever it is, you have to examine your own life and figure out what it is that you're going through. But again, when it comes down to it, are you going to be a Tamara Mensa stock? Believe that you can, put in the work, and then go do it, execute, and win, and reap the benefits, and win your gold medal? Or are you going to be someone who's entitled, throwing a hissy fit, the couch potato, the debilitated buttercup? You're going to be a drag on society. It's up to you. You decide. I know what I want to do. I want to leave you with this. Well, we're going to play the clip, and then I'll come back and close it out. But again, a clip that we can't hear enough, especially for people that might be uh, new to the show. My all-time favorite clip, it's about mentality. Yeah, you know it. If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's the cheat. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does the lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas, but I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. Be king of your jungle. Have the mentality of a lion. Be a gold medal winner. Cultivate the mindset. The champion spirit. Be humble. Be grateful. Show respect to others. Kindness. Even in times of adversity, which is hard to do. When you look in the abyss and you see nothing staring back, that's when you know what your character's like. We are Two Steps Ahead Podcast, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. RadioWarp.com, RadioWARP.com is the place to go for all things Two Steps Ahead Podcast, plus some other things. We've got uh, the shows on there. The videos are on RadioWarp.com. You also have the audio from uh, SoundCloud that you can download and take with you on the go. You can listen to our 24-7 streaming radio station that's online. Just click the Listen Live button, I think, in the upper right-hand corner, and the media player pops up, and you can hear Two Steps Ahead podcast on there. A couple other podcasts are on there as well. You can hear pop music. You can hear 80s music. We've got some special music shows that also are featured on there, like Two Steps Ahead podcast, Totally 80s, World Chart Show. So it's a really cool one-stop shopping for all your entertainment needs. You can also... Um, Go to your app store, and you can download the app. It's Radio Warp, W-A-R-P, Radio Warp app. 
That's what you search, the APP Radio Warp app, and just download it. And you can take us with you on the go. There's also uh, Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram. The show Instagram is TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And there's the Radio Warp link in the bio, and you can click on there, and it brings up the website. There's also a merchandise store, so if you want some cool swag, I know uh, we're in the middle of August as of this broadcast, but fall's just around the corner. Maybe you need some uh, hoodies or some more winter-style clothes. Um, hit it up. It'd be greatly appreciated. You can wear it with pride, knowing that there's uh, a good message behind what it is that you're wearing. Also, uh, my personal Instagram is EdemRocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, EdemRocks. And again, on uh, my personal page, you'll just see pictures and photos and videos, uh, give you a little bit more insight as to who I am, kind of away from the show. And then Two Steps Ahead, the TWO Two Steps Ahead page on Instagram is more show-related. Uh, but there is some crossover. And then you can also listen to the show live Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific time. Oh, check that. 8 p.m. Pacific time, 11 p.m. Eastern is when it is. We change the time. So 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern is the live. And then the replay is Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific and then 1 a.m. Eastern. So 8 a.m., I mean 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Pacific time you can hear on Tuesday nights. And then Mondays and Wednesdays you can also hear the show um, along with other great pro, uh, programming on RadioWarp.com. So again, Two Steps Ahead podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great, be kind, and until next time, you guys have a great week. And remember, when you're out there, even though times are tough, who we are is going to reflect on what we do, whether it's the first impression or whether we've been with people for a long time. They're going to know who we are by the fruits of what we do. So cultivate your soul. Get your mindset right. Bring out that greatness. Be a positive influence on people out there because you're worth it. They're worth it. And together, we can make this place a greater place. Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. We'll see you next time here on Two Steps Ahead Podcast.